Hi, I'm Scott. And I'm Seth. And we are track walking. And we have a fantastic new toy that I can't stop staring at the squiggly lines and bright lights on. We have a board. It's which sounds cooler than it is, because everybody's thinking you bought like a seventy dollar piece of lumber, and that's not what it is at all. I <laughs> I mean, that that would have been the cheap way, and we could have just like painted the the little audio lines and weird buttons that are glowing on it. But this means uh, my job is actually going to be easier. I'm not actually going to have to um, edit. I you know as soon as I said that, I'm still going to have to do the intro and outro music. I'm going to have to program one of these buttons with the intro and outro, so I can just smash it. That's going to be phenomenal, though. Yeah, next time. Yeah, it's a learning process. So we are here. Um, It's the weekend. It's the Monday after you just had a uh, a series of races at a motorcycle track. What track were you at? We were at uh, North Texas Carters in Denton, Texas. So, and a bunch of one lappers have been there. It's uh, the drag strip that was next to the junkyard that we went to in whatever it was, 2015. Behind the drag strip next to the junkyard is a kart track. And that was one of the places we raced motorcycles. And sadly, the drag, the drag strip is now a Peterbilt storage yard oh. next to a oh. junkyard. All of those in front of a kart track where we race motorcycles. I feel like a Dr. Seuss book at this point. Redfish, bluefish. And I just got done at Blackhawk Farms where I did race car things. And the race car did race car things, meaning it kind of broke sometimes. Um, but that's yeah. for a different episode. Right. <laughs> we're kind of... Right now... I don't know about I you, Seth. I'm ta- tired of talking about how dumb race cars are and how many things are broken. I would rather not uh, talk about my failures because <laughs> that would be... That would be how I would discuss motorcycles right now. So right, I don't well, want to do that. Then let's talk about how you deal with failures then. Um, which <laughs> No. Do we have to? Well, you Okay, so a few weeks ago, I think it was the opening race weekend where... No. No, it wasn't? No. I've, I've had failures in every one, but the, the big failure we talked about was after my last race when the motorcycle blew up. That was it. Okay. Yeah. Walked. Walk us into and through this. Okay, so uh, if you listen to the previous podcast, um, the motorcycle the kids were racing blew up the motor. And I was sucked into the cycle of failure and couldn't focus on the race at hand, and it was terrible. And I think that was the um, everything is broken episode. Everything is broken. <laughs> everything is broken. It's terrible. And so uh, my, my psychologist, Scott convinced me to um, be better at failing Um, which I have luckily I have I have a lot of opportunities for this to practice this we we all do if we're being totally honest yeah because this is the we pick dumb hobbies that that, uh, challenge us to be better people than we are fact and so this weekend while racing um, we are endurance racing motorcycles uh, in the rain on slicks as we do. And the, the kids endurance bike crashed as they do. 
and we found a new and interesting way to break it um, by breaking the where the clutch lever mounts to the clutch master cylinder. So even though we have spare clutch levers and spare brake levers and spare handlebars and spare, like we, I have this enormous box of spare things for all the motorcycles, I do not have a clutch master cylinder. So we rolled the bike into the pits and I looked at it and I went, cool, we're done. And I parked the bike and walked back to the track where I was monitoring the other race bike on the track. Completely put it out of my mind. I was successful. At failing. Briefly. 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 Because. Because because then about 15 minutes later, I look back toward the pits, and there is a group of people screwing around with the motorcycle. And, and their intentions were all good. That's the, the thing I have to say. They were They were messing around with things trying to figure out how to get the motorcycle moving without using the clutch to figure out if they could go back out and clutchlessly race it to do things. And I was, I don't want to say I overreacted, but I, <laughs> I walked back. You, you did I, something I wouldn't, I would have a, I could only picture you doing when you were had kind of reached your limit, I I totally dad voiced him, and I walked over and I said, "Stop! It's broken and we're done. Leave it alone." And I turned back around and walked back to the track. <laughs> and in that in that moment, I said that the the three or four people who were messing with it just gave me that look, like you know, you're your mom or your teacher yelled at you. And these are primarily grown ass men who just got yelled at for playing the children's dirt bike. Yeah. Um, and so I found another way to semi fail at failing, um, which I didn't expect because that got me all emotionally. Like I had like immediately emotionally left myself from the, from the situation and I managed to emotionally get sucked back into it and become upset in a new way that I never anticipated. It was, <laughs> seems dumb and everything's dumb. And why, that's. Well, why do you say it's dumb? Because I mean, it certainly sounds like, I mean, this is not a way that, this is not a way that you react on a regular basis. But it, it feels like you were actually protecting something of you were like it, it it almost seems like you were trying to protect your initial reaction from outside sources. Yeah, really, because I, I mean the reality of it was was you know like, hey, we could only make this worse. Like you could only make this worse. Don't make my life worse. And also, like, I just did something good, and you're ruining it by emotionally drawing me back into a situation that I had just left. And there's probably a bunch of different ways I could have dealt with it than how I did, but the the end result was I was emotionally drawn back into a situation that I had left 10 minutes previously. Um, and that... 
affected me for the entire rest of the weekend. How so? <laughs> and the whole goal of my initial reaction was to not be affected for the entire rest of the weekend. So, like, the same as when we race cars and motorcycles and we find new and exciting ways to break things. Um, I am finding new and exciting ways to emotionally get dragged into my own failures. And I'm so tired. <laughs> okay, okay. Now, we had talked briefly about earlier in the season, you, like, almost trying to nurse a bike back to health seeing yourself like in the bike, like identifying with the I'm bike. like that. I, that's yeah, that's, that's how I am. And I could go into the really long story. If we're, if we're going to do this topic right here, then that means that I gave you a picture mm -hmm. to put in front of this podcast, which needs to be explained. I mean, um, we can put a picture on the thumbnail yeah, thumbnail for the podcast. Yeah, because that thumbnail, which I'm sure if anybody opened up the podcast and went, "All right, they've gone weird." <laughs> <laughs> that picture is of about a three-week-old uh, yellow-crested night heron, and it's sitting on my hand. And one would wonder why I have a three-week-old yellow-crested night heron sitting on my hand. Um, and it's because I have this personality flaw. It's also a benefit, but it's a flaw where when something needs to be taken care of, um, I just, like, I don't do it with this big bleeding heart passion thing. I just it needs to be taken care of and I take care of it. Um, and not like, not like work needs to be done. I'm great at shirking work. Like I'll walk away from work just fine. But like if, 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 if a living creature needs to be taken care of, I'm like, all right, I'll walk in, scoop it up. I'll take care of it. I'll make sure it has, you know, a good, healthy, wonderful life. And I think part of that has to do with the fact that both my parents were, were veterinarians. So I grew up in this house where people brought things that need to be taken. My mom's practice was actually in our house. So people brought things that needed to be taken care of and they were taken care of and they were kept alive and made better and brought home. And so sort of like, that's what we did. And it wasn't just dogs and cats, although there was more than once I was woken up out of a dead sleep to go like assist in emergency surgery and those sorts of things were just sort of my weird life growing up. Um, but like we had people brought us infant raccoons that they found. And I don't know if anybody's familiar with raccoons and how the world needs more raccoons. So clearly when there are orphaned raccoons, someone should take care of them to make sure the world's population of raccoons is maintained. Like, that's the most ridiculous thought process ever, right? Like, we don't need to save raccoons from a, like, biologic standpoint, except those individual raccoons needed to be saved. Mm. So so it's, it's not like a systems thing. It's a, it's a very personal, it's very one-on-one. -on -one. Yeah. And before the podcast, I'm picturing 12-year-old Seth 
with short hair in the summer looking at this baby bird. Is that the uh, is that the correct picture, Seth? No. <laughs> no. The bird on my finger uh, was raised about five or six years ago. So that's more like a uh, 38, 39-year-old Seth mm. who walked out to get the mail. Mm-hmm. And uh, there was a, a bird on the ground. Like this was this was a bird that would have hatched two or three days previously. And so, you know, it had like no feathers and was laying there on the ground. And we had we continue to have these yellow crested night herons build nests way high in pine trees in my yard. Like my yard has 80 foot pine trees in it. And they build these nests which consist of like eight sticks. They're they're literally the worst nest in the world. I swear you can look up through them and see the eggs. Really minimal effort. Yeah, so the parents are like, look, I put four sticks there. Let's have a kid. They're just... Just Just looking to get it done. (laughs) Yeah, just like terrible parenting. And, And inevitably, nestlings fall out. And usually what happens is you walk through the year, either you don't notice them, like what happens is they die and they get stinky and the dog rolls in them, which is the normal procedure in my yard. My dog's like, dude, dead things. I love dead things. They smell so good. And that's what happens. Or we've had a couple fall that are clearly like way broken, like, like super yeah. broken limbs, things. And, and you, they're unsavable at that point. Horror and, show kind of stuff. Yeah. And so like five or six years ago, I walk out to get the mail and there is a completely intact yellow crested night heron sitting on the ground that just needs to be made alive for the rest of its life. And there's none of me, and you'll look at the picture and go, yeah, that's not cute. Like there's, there's, there's no, like when you see a puppy or a kitten and you're like, that's adorable. I want to hug it and snuggle with it and take care of it. And yellow crested night herons look like your worst nightmare of of a dinosaur with a beak. And they have no affection. And there's nothing about raising one. Like you don't form a, a personality bond with a hunting bird like that. Their, their job is to fly and kill things. That's all they do. And so you keep it alive just because it's the right thing to do because it's something that needs to be taken care of and kept alive so that it can live its life. Mm-hmm. And I've always been, I've always been like that. It's just what happens. And the, I don't want to say the, the tragedy of it, but what happens with me with that is that, um, sorry, I had a feedback in my mic a second. I'm back again. We're cool. Um, is that I apply that to motor vehicles. Yeah, I was going to say, so, <laughs> so like fast forward that, I mean, you're already a grown ass man. Yeah. If you find a bird and you feel some sort of duty or obligation, not to the system at, in which that bird needs to survive or needs to be a part of, but because this particular bird needs to be doing what this particular bird needs to be doing and you have the ability to help it do that. So fast forward five or six years, 
you have this broken bike. Yeah, not even. This show is weird. I don't even know which broken bike we're talking about because, like, me looking at Craigslist is like other people going to the animal shelter. That is amazing. It's it's really you know some of it is I look at things that I want like there's things like oh that's an interesting thing and I would like that but ninety percent of my looking at Craigslist is like oh dude. That Accord wagon needs somebody to to take care of it and nurture it back to health so that it continue to live its best life as an Accord wagon. That's how I look at Craigslist. Case swap? I don't think, yeah, like really, yeah, a case swap would be fantastic. But I'm not entirely certain that's a healthy way to deal with mechanical things. Do you think it sounds remotely healthy? I think it's... All right, so I think it's serving its purpose for you. So I don't think you're doing any of these things for the bird. I don't think you're doing anything for the bike. I think you're doing this for Seth, and I'm fascinated to try to figure out what that is. (laughs) Part of me says I would love to know because then I can fix it, and part of me doesn't want to fix it. Well, but, but that's the thing. Like, it's serving a... Apparently, however, 40, whatever you are now, three, 44, five, 45. Okay. 45. Jeez, you're old. Yeah, I know. I feel the same way. Your 45 year old self. I mean, it's been serving you. It's been doing, it's been giving you a benefit of some sort to help these individual <sighs> things whether they're living or not but these things that you find that are that you take under your care and i can't help but think you're also a stay-at-home dad who you've described yourself as going to track days and being kind of the ambassador for other kids and helping other kids get involved and interested in the sport and it all sounds very noble and giving, and yet I can't help but think that Seth. Do you need to be needed? Do you need? Yeah, probably. I mean, yeah, probably. Like if if, and when you say again, this is like when Scott says things out loud, I go, "Oh, dude." Because I've had times in my life where I'm like, cool, I don't want to have any more projects. Like, I want to get all the projects off my my sheet. And I've gone down to, like, I own three cars that work. The end. They need oil changes. They need gas. That's it. And when that happens, there is an emptiness in me. Just a gaping <laughs> chasm of what you used to be. There is. And, but the flip side to that is when I've got like, you know, 13 motorcycles and seven cars and, you know, everything needs something, it becomes, it becomes massively overwhelming. Not quite to the point of paralysis, but like hugely overwhelming to have everything need something from you. It's kind of like, you know, if you lived alone, like alone in a mansion, you would be lonely. 
right? Sure. But if you took that mansion and you turned it into an orphanage and there were 60 kids living there, you wouldn't have necessarily made your life better. I mean, certainly if that, like, if you had no interest in actually helping orphans, you're just like, <laughs> right. these, yeah. these kids are ruining everything. Right. But there's got to be somewhere in between, right? Like where, where you feel comfortable with your level of care and responsibility and sort of the effort you're putting back into the world is, is a, you're in a comfortable place. So in that illustration, like, so you're in a mansion by yourself. You're very lonely. So let's fill the mansion. So what about just selling the mansion and getting a tiny house? The mansion is my head. Like I am the mansion. I can't that's, sell the mansion. I that's am the so mansion. deep. <laughs> and in, in, in like in a lot of ways, it would be like it, it would be like if you owned a you know if you had a pole barn. You know, if you had your own pole barn, what would you put in it? And if it's a big enough pole barn, you can put enough stuff in there. It, and it's different for everybody, right? Yeah. Like Jay Leno's got a billion cars, and I'm sure he doesn't lay awake at night like I do going, oh, God, what do I need to order? Partly because he has people to do that. But that's just sure. like his level of different people have different levels of that stress that they're comfortable with. There are people who can have a pole barn with 40 cars in it, and they're just fine. And there are people that if they have two, they're like, it's just, it's too much. Like I can't have more than one project going at a time because I get stressed out and it's too much. And so everybody has their own, their own comfort with that. And so it sounds like you haven't found that sweet no, spot. No, I bounce, I bounce from one end to another. Like, like that's my entire life at least. And I think the, you say it, it serves a purpose, right? You asked me if it served a purpose. Sure. And I think if it serves a purpose, it is I'm able to adjust the level of orphans in my mansion head without having it affecting the people that I actually have to take care of. This is such a weird episode. <laughs> which, which is, Which is to say, like, like I'm not, I'm not gonna go. Well, my life is overwhelming, and I need to run away from my family, right? Because the, the, the things that I have to take care of day to day, are well within my comfort zone. Sure. And so I shift. I, I do use that, that mechanical, you know, my, my fake animal car things, whatever the things that need to be taken care of, mechanical things that need to be taken care of, to shift back and forth between God, there's nothing to do. Nothing needs to be fixed. Life is meaningless to Holy cow. This is overwhelming. I'm surrounded by junk. I'll never get out of here. Um, but I can do that all within staying sane within taking care of my family and my wife and my kids and all those dogs and fish and those things that need to be taken care of. That doesn't overwhelm me at all. Yeah. All right. And I almost wonder like what the, there's, there's gotta be some interplay with your, your family, your daily responsibilities and this self-proclaimed stupid hobby of yours. Um, that it's gotta be like, there's, 
I don't know. I feel like this episode is so ethereal and weird anyway. I hate to like. <laughs> no, and you could probably you could probably track a graph for my like day to day what I have to do to keep my family alive and the number of projects that I own. And if you if they were additive, they would probably end up at like that stress level, because when I had, you know, four kids that were under six years old. I really didn't didn't have projects. Like sure. it was like my life was full your, enough. Your that kids the were idea, the projects. Yeah, it just just like day to day keeping four small children alive was as much as I could emotionally handle. And as the kids get older and the kids get more get better at taking care of themselves, or however you want to do that, I take on more projects. And so I probably keep my stress level of, of taking care of things the same. Like I'm sure like when my kids were little, had I not been exhausted, I would have stayed up worrying about things. Um, and certainly I did when, you know, like anybody who's raised four children and they know that they're different human beings and you're like, why is one or two of them behaving like a completely bizarre human being and what am I doing wrong? And so you're trying to like sort yourself out within that. That space is that head space is now taken up with why is my motorcycle broken? Maybe. It's going to be interesting as your kids continue to age out of your home. Yeah, and I'm kind of as I listen to as I as I hear myself say this out loud, I can I can imagine my wife listening to the show, thinking, "Good God, what is what is this going to turn into? Is he just constantly going to drag home broken things to fill the void?" So if you thought sixty orphans were terrible, let's wait till you have sixty bikes and your wife hates you <laughs> so much. <laughs> There's, yeah. I should tell her not to listen to this one. Maybe. It's a weird one. <laughs> the good news is we kind of talked about doing a short 30-minute episode and we're almost time. So if you were oh, on a that... if you were on a couch paying for this time, which you should absolutely not pay me to do any sort of counseling. <laughs> I'd no. be terrible. Our time would be almost up, Seth. That's okay. This is probably weird enough that anybody who's listening to it is like, what just happened? Yeah. So when when we talk about how we do anything is how we do everything, which uh, shout out to Lester Epps. Every time he sees me, God bless his whole, he says, how we do anything is how we do everything. And I'm actually <laughs> reminded of why we do this. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's a little deep. It's a little in the woods, but you can really like pick out a singular event and really trace it back to five years or more when you picked up a little bird and all of a sudden you realized why you couldn't let a bike die. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's my life. Welcome to it. <laughs> Seth Lemke, everybody. Uh, yeah, let's keep it short. Um, we are at track walking podcast on Instagram and Facebook track walking chats on Facebook. Um, 
please subscribe, like, review. Uh, it does help um, people find us. We like to be found. And, uh, yeah, we've got this new fancy board. So once Seth takes his uh, his family on the road for the summer and literally only has a, di- um, a normal plug-in to the wall phone, we can actually continue to do podcasts. This board sponsored by the Lemke family. Um, Lemke's. Primarily because I would rather spend money on a board than learn how to do it another way. Or just stop doing it. Yeah, or just stop doing it. <laughs> can't he see he can't even let a podcast die. I can't. It needs to be taken care of. <laughs> so for the two of us, I'm Scott. And I'm Seth. And this has been weird, but thank you for hanging in with us. <laughs> we'll talk to you next week. We're track walking. Track walking. Goodbye.